who am I to not pay it forward yeah. when others have gone out of their way to serve me? Who am I not to serve them? You're listening to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, a podcast where I have conversations with inspirational people. My name is Chris, but my family calls me Christoph. My goal is to have as many conversations as possible with people who have forged their own path by pursuing their dreams, making them a reality, all the while emitting positivity and sharing this knowledge with others. I seek these people out and share this information with you, proving to the world that you can do what makes you happy and do what you want for a living while being a good human being. We'll talk about careers, but we'll also cover any story that inspires. Let's do this while helping each other. Thanks for listening. I'm happy you're here. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, Create Your Career. This is conversation number 128, episode number 212. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so full of gratitude that you're here listening today. I promise you this is one of the best episodes that I have recorded to this date. It is so saturated with knowledge and greatness. My guest today is none other than the Titan Bedros Koulian. And I am absolutely honored to have him here today. So this one goes really deep on some really personal questions. He shared with us some things that he didn't share in his book. And I'm happy to talk about them here today so that we can learn and we can grow and that we can all become better individuals. I always want to encourage the conversation no matter how hard it can be and that we can help other people along the way. Remember, you can find this episode, all the other conversations, the contemplations on ChristophLewis.com forward slash podcast or on any podcast app. And you can find me on Instagram at Christoph Lewis. So without further ado, welcome to the Christoph Lewis podcast. Create your career. Thank you, Christoph. Appreciate the opportunity, my friend. Yeah, like I was just saying, it's a, it's an absolute honor and privilege to have you here. I think it was like 2018 when I first saw you on Instagram and you were just rocking. I think I told you this, like you were rocking to some old school hip hop and enjoying your life and you, and you still do it. And I was like, this is awesome. This guy's awesome. But then what caught me was your, was your message. And it was so genuine and so real, but you were just like, you had this like, I don't just this awesome personality about it. So that's what caught me. And then just recently I read your book, Man Up, and I, I know I posted it everywhere. And I think that's what sparked the conversation between us. So one of those things that resonated with me, like we were just talking about a second ago, was how your family came to this country. And I was saying my mother's Hungarian. She came here in her mid twenties and her work ethic just blew me away. Like it blew me away and it still resonates to this day. So one of the things that like, as I'm reading this book, I was like wondering, I was like, I have to ask him. You obviously learned a lot from your family. You learned a lot when you were growing up and in all the hard times that you had. But I was wondering, what is one of the things that they taught you that then that still holds true to this day that you still remember? You know, I got to tell you, the, one of the biggest things I, I learned, and it wasn't like my dad was like, hey, son, sit down. I got to teach you something. Sure. It was something that I saw through their actions. And Ed Milet says that uh, many things are taught and some of the greatest things are caught, meaning you just mm. catch yeah. some really good information. And I saw very quickly how the idea of being resourceful and resilient was so important in life. And when you come as an immigrant to this country, and in my case, I was six years old, and I got to see how we had to struggle as immigrants, didn't speak the language, didn't understand yeah. the culture, we didn't have any money, we lived in Section 8 housing, digging food out of dumpsters behind grocery stores the first year. So, you know, when you don't have resources, you must be resourceful in life. And yeah. if you think that things are hard, you can't just kind of curl up and die. You've got to be resilient and push on. And 
And I saw that from my mom, my dad, my older brother, mm-hmm. uh, and my older sister. And so that kind of embedded into me mm-hmm. and I carried on into my, carried that into my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely do have to be resourceful. And I think it's like the situation that, that is your life. Like you, you have, and that's funny because I, this has similarly come up before. And I always thought like, well, you only have one way to go. You can only grow, you can only get better, but like you can succumb to the darkness. So it's interesting that, uh, you know, some people fall to the light, some people fall to the darkness, but I mean, why did you choose? Like I said, some, you can choose to go to the darkness. Why did you, you choose? Like you said, obviously it's resourceful, but why did you choose to go that way? Good question. I mean, I, I had every reason to lean towards into the darkness, especially when you think about, and I'm very open and talking, I talk about that. I didn't mention it in my book. I didn't see a place to talk about this in my book, but um, yeah. between the ages of four and six in Armenia, I was molested by uh, two older boys. So imagine you carry the trauma of that. That happened on a regular basis until my dad decided that we're gonna escape the Soviet Union and come to the United States. He was bringing us to a free country, a country of freedom and opportunity. What he didn't realize is he freed me from this wow. you know, daily molestation. So between that and then being bullied in this country, and like I said, you know, not knowing the culture and understanding the language, definitely had a lot of reasons to lean towards the darkness, take the victim path and say, I guess I'm meant to be mediocre, yeah. blue collar, however you want to define it. I've seen it defined in many yeah. ways. But what I ultimately realized is what a shame, like I would be spitting on the gift of freedom that my dad gave me and the risk that he took to bring yeah. us here because if he had gotten caught in his process of getting yeah. us here and escaping the Soviet Union, he would have immediately been uh, killed. And so I would be spitting upon this gift that he had given me. So I felt that I owed it to him, owed it to my mom and dad, my sister, my brother, who really all risked their lives. I was just a six-year-old kind of kid tagging along with my family, right? And so to me, that idea of obligation of I owe it to them to be successful, take care of them when I'm older, when they're older, is why I did it all. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for for sharing that. That's – it's to me, it's absurd to hear that, how that happened and how your father – saved you <laughs> and he didn't even know it actually reminds me of one of my i don't know if you know this gentleman mark ormrod he's an englishman he was in afghanistan he lost three limbs and he similarly wanted to fall to the darkness but he said i would be owing and it sounded i was like this sounds so similar i would be owing the people that saved my life on that helicopter a disservice if i didn't live my life to the very best right now and and that stuck with me and i just want people to understand that that, that, that is so true like some of the people that just absolutely bust their ass inadvertently even sometimes without knowing the full context of things but you owe it to them and yourself of course so thank you very much let me let me let me tell you this i think the most selfish thing we can do is lean into the darkness to lean towards giving up to lean towards mediocrity that is a selfish thing to do because look if you live in the united states or any westernized country leaning into the darkness or giving up or taking a victim role you're still going to have an iphone you're still going to be on social media you're yeah. still going to have a good job you're probably going to have health care if not some kind of government program is going to take care of you so it's not like you're going to be living in a third world country in sure. a third world economy and healthcare system so it's it's a very selfish way to live mm-hmm. it's living the other way like you're the gentleman that you said who lost three limbs and he was like look i could either i'm a victim and i can yeah. just lean towards alcohol maybe drugs and numb my pain and feel sorry for myself or the folks who saved me on that helicopter, I need to live every day for them and, yeah. and with gratitude the way they saved me. Yeah, that's that's massive. That's huge. Yeah, and it is. And, and one of those things is obviously you, you came from another country. He served in another country. And I know I lived in Hungary for a little while as well. When I was in the Navy, I was in Afghanistan and East Africa. And all those experiences is what I'm getting at is like that travel for me 
that insight that I had from spe- seeing those other countries, especially those worn torn countries. And, and uh, let me tell you, like, I, I highly encourage anybody to go travel. And I would not even say like, you don't even have to go to a third world country. Like even, even go to Europe. It's vastly different. You come back after a couple of weeks in Europe, you come back to here, you'll see that we live it pretty good. So I, I think yeah, that's a great point. goes up very quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the hell is taking so long for the water heater to turn on? It's been 40 minutes and I'm freezing, you know? No, it's hilarious. And I, I, I encourage anybody to, to go out and, and to do that and to experience those cultures. So um, obviously, as you said, your childhood was what you said. It was very difficult. And you obviously evolved into the person, to the man that you are today. Obviously, it wasn't just black and white. It wasn't a shift. But where was, where do you think... Or where would you say is like the beginning of that shift in mentality where you decided that I'm not going to do that and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to crush it? Was there anything that actually happened or was this a slow crescendo? Yeah. No, I, if there was a turning point of like, hey, I think I'm meant for more. I'm going to go out and crush it. It was when I got certified as a personal trainer in my early yeah. 20s. And I started working at a LA Fitness, a big box gym as a personal trainer. Um, you know, they were charging the clients 60, 65 bucks an hour and I was making 12 bucks an hour. Yeah. But one of my personal training clients, his name was Jim Franco. And I talk about him in my book, Man Up. And this guy was like rich dad, poor dad. So he was like my rich dad because, you know, well-to-do <laughs> um, entrepreneur, millionaire. Yeah. He's also my personal training client. And then my dad, God bless him, he worked his butt off his entire life here. And he he's, lives in Anaheim now. He's retired. We take care of him. Like, he's got a great life. But my dad certainly didn't retire wealthy. Thank goodness that I work my butt off and mm-hmm. have the wealth to take care of my mom and dad. But all this to tell you that Jim Franco saw something in me. One day in between workout sessions, I told him, I said, hey, Jim, you know, one day I'm going to own my own personal training studio. Um, and he actually took it serious. He could have said, oh, good for mm-hmm. you, kid, and, yeah. and moved on. But he's like, all right, you know, I'm going to bring you a cassette tape tomorrow that's going to teach you how to sell. Because if you're going to own your own business, you need to learn how to sell. You need to learn how to market, communicate, be decisive, uh, be influential. And he kept bringing me these cassette tapes like Tom Hopkins, Brian Tracy, wow. Zig Ziglar, Dan Kennedy. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't owe me that. So as he saw something in me that I honestly didn't see yet, I started to ride the coattails of the confidence that he saw in me. And soon I was like, wow, Jim, I'm making all this money with the skill sets that you've taught me. Um, I, couldn't, I quit my two side jobs. I, at the time, I also had a job at Disneyland and I was a bouncer at a bar. And uh, I quit those two side jobs, full-time personal trainer. And so because of Jim and the confidence that he had in me, I was able to ride that confidence and decide that, well, he believes in me so much. I'm really going to take this to the next level. And uh, the next level has just been a blessing for me. Yeah. That's so cool. How special is it when somebody sees something in you that you don't see in yourself? That Yeah. That, that's something special. That says a lot for that. I don't know him. And that's the most incredible thing that one of the most incredible things I've heard already, because that's something that I want to do with myself, with this podcast, with like, I was, okay, so we talked a little bit in the beginning, like off camera, like kind of what I'm, what am I doing with this? And I said, I always want to encourage the behaviors and the conversation of helping other people. So this is kind of a cool aspect that I haven't really talked about on the, po- on the podcast is seeing something in somebody else that they may not see in themselves. So I would, again, encourage other people to, to take one of those things out of this podcast and, and go out there and help other people. And even if they don't really see it in themselves and they don't really, they're not really feeling it, you know, but there's something in there because he saw something in you, clearly, you know. He did. And, and you know what? Oftentimes we, we're the last to see it in ourselves, man, because 
you know, we have 47,000 conversations a day that happens yeah. in our head, 47,000 thoughts. And they say something like 82% of those thoughts are negative. And so we're always criticizing ourselves, wow. doubting ourselves, yeah. uh, living in a state of maybe uh, I'm not worthy, I'm not capable. And people on the outside, I call it their outside eyes, they're able to look into our life and go, man, I see this talent, I see this ability, I see this, this hunger in this young man mm -hmm. or young woman. And it is something powerful when they see that in you because then you can ride on that. That becomes the, the little... The little pilot light that can start this yeah. inferno with you. Yeah, it's so special, and it's so special. I think it, because you're this is your life. You're living your life. You're emotionally attached to it, so it's hard to like look at it from that third person objectively and really see what's going on. So when you have somebody like okay, anybody can think about any emotional argument they've ever had in their lives and you have no idea what the hell you're really saying. And then you get out and you think it's something cheeky to say, oh, I should have said that or I should have said this. So, but when you're living your life like that. You're absolutely right. Somebody coming in to step in will definitely help you. Yeah. So no, I love that. And it kind of leads into what I always talk about, which we've already talked about helping each other. And I always ask this question and it sounds so uh, simple. It sounds like a no brainer question, but I ask it to everybody every single time. And I always ask, so Bedros, why do you choose to help people? And why do you, are you so passionate about doing this? I mean, for example, right here, right now, you're speaking to me on this podcast. Why do you choose to donate your time? Uh, you know what? There was a lot of people that helped me, that helped me when I didn't have the money to pay him. Look at Jim Franco. Like, he was yeah, a paying client. Yeah. He had no reason to bring a cassette tape to me and give it. I wasn't an employee. I wasn't going to make him money. I wasn't going to add any value to his life. He was already paying for the training. And even before that, yeah. in high school, I was a fat kid in high school. There was a, <laughs> a dude named uh, Dave. He was uh, on the high school football team. And I was a fat kid. And so he was my science partner in science class. And so I was like, Dave, you're in great shape. I'm not. I want to ask Nakaya to the prom next year. Um, I need to get in shape. He goes, dude, I'll take you to the gym. And he took me to the school gym and helped me work out. And I was so shy and I was uncomfortable yeah. and I didn't want to be there. And right. So look at all the people that have helped me. And that list yeah. still today, I can list off people who are helping me, connecting me to the right people. So who am I to not pay it forward yeah. when others have gone out of their way to serve me? Who am I not to serve them? You mm -hmm. know? Yeah, it's so special. There's another wonderful example of, of that person that took you to the gym. I mean, <laughs> it could be anything. And I think that's what the beauty of it is, is like it doesn't have to be some crazy extravagant thing of, of helping somebody completely change their life around. But I think what the beauty of it is, is like you can do the smallest thing and it can change and have the biggest impact on somebody's life. And you would never think about it. Dude, think, think, think about this. Um, an 11th grader, a fellow 11th grader in high school takes me to the school gym. And because of what he taught me for those three or four workouts, I spent the rest of that summer vacation getting in shape yeah. so I can ask a girl out. Yeah, my motivation was because of a girl. <laughs> That's okay. It worked. Right? <laughs> well, I never asked her out to the prom. My entire trajectory in life changed, and I became like this franchisor for a fitness business. And you know, we have almost 800 locations with our Fit Body Bootcamp brand. And like that one guy with that small yeah. impact on my life made such a massive impact. Yeah, that's that. I don't think you need a better example of that. That's just one of those those small things that turned out it, it completely changed your life, and, and that blows me away. And honestly, that just gives me I, I'm getting pumped up right now because it gives me the fuel to be able to encourage this conversation. Like, just the smallest shit can change the world, and I genuinely mean that. I wouldn't be donating seven days of my life, you know, with a, a with a baby and a wife downstairs when you know I got a day job to be doing this shit. If I didn't believe in it and I know that's some of your answer right there and speaking of of, of those beautiful souls downstairs you know I'm, I'm a new father uh, my daughter like I said is down there and I know you talked about one of the difficult things in the book as well was 
uh, as you were finding success and finding yourself, it was difficult to be a father. It was difficult to be a husband. But I want to know, like, how did you finally be able to find that? Uh, It's probably not a balance. That's probably not the right word. But how did you find to be both successful in your your life with your family and both in business? Yeah, good question. So it was a struggle, man, because think about this. At at first, it's just you. It's just Kristoff. And then you meet a a woman and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm in love with you. You got to marry me. You got to be my wife. So for a (laughs) long while, there's just probably you and her. You're going to cool places. There's you could be spontaneous. Right. Like, hey, let's go see a movie. Let's go eat. Let's go catch a plane and and take a trip somewhere. Let's take a car ride to another state. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, what do you say we start a family? And then now you're bringing a baby and then you're starting a business while holding a day job. Look at the complications that arise. And all of a sudden, if we don't we don't mind our P's and Q's very quickly, your business becomes the the, the other woman as far as your wife is concerned. And then you spend so much time. I'm not saying you are, but you podcasting and doing this stuff that you start neglecting your kid and all of a sudden you feel guilt and then you're with your child, but you're mentally at work. And that's typically what ends up happening. And that's what happened to me. Married kids, business, and then trying to find my own time and my own identity again. And I realized, man, I am white knuckling through life. I'm having a hard time holding it together. And things got very stressful, very quick. Guilt settled in because I wasn't seeing my family. Um, I was making some bad financial decisions in the business, trying to take shortcuts. So what I very quickly realized is there's never going to be a work-life balance, but there is going to be a work-life mix. Mm. And what if I could get my wife into the business? Mm -hmm. Now she's not going to be jealous of the business because she's part of it. So today she's our CFO for Fit Body Bootcamp. Um, ironically, and I'm in my own office here in our building, but in our, on the, on the, on that side of the building, the South side of the building, my 14 year old son is doing customer support tickets. (laughs) And I don't know if you heard me, but I told my daughter, I'm like, Hey honey, you could stay in this room or you can go in the other room and hang out over there. In other words, the whole family's involved. And when you're doing that now, I can have a work life mix. Sometimes I'll go on a speaking gig and I'll take my son or daughter with me. And after I'm done speaking in New York, we'll spend a day or two exploring New York. Mm. And that's what needs to happen if you're trying to get a sense of if you're an entrepreneur or you're trying to create a side hustle, you better figure out how to make a mix because you're never going to find a balance. Yeah, that's such a wonderful example. And I know it's one of the one of the gentlemen I had on here, uh, Dan Luna. He's a former Navy SEAL. He had his son in there in his podcast as well. And he was like my hundred and somethings guest. And he was like the first one to do that. And I was like, how special is that? Is that like what? A leadership moment is this in this in this kid's life you know he's uh just becoming a teenager and he sees his dad having this conversation and i was like that's so cool so no i didn't actually hear that but that's really special and i think that's such a great example and you know i'll be the first to tell you when i was starting this podcast it was consuming it was obsessive and there were a lot of fights between my wife and i and i've shared a little bit on uh, instagram and on the podcast as some of you know if you don't now you know but it was one of the things we struggled with a lot. I mean, you get into yelling matches and you're just like, you're working a day job. Now you got this, like you said, this other woman. <laughs> so it can be really difficult. So I do love that integration. And since then, I've incorporated it into her in some podcasts, you know, some episodes. So I think that's a great answer to, to be able to do that. One of the other things I, I was really curious about is obviously in the book, you talked about the crop duster and the fighter jet, the crop duster being this uh, laggard person who has no direction nor really chooses to want to have direction. The fighter jet being this person that overcomes and is a leader. So one of the things I wanted to ask you was what fighter jet characteristics do you think that you're still missing from your life that you still want to improve on and work on? Well, you know what? That's a really good question. Um, I always, these days, like, especially I'm in my forties now, I'm 45 years old. 
And once you get past that early 30s where a lot of your decisions are maybe veiled in ego, mm-hmm. um, now I'm not a know-it-all. I don't know all the answers. Even <laughs> if I think I know the answers, I show up as a white belt. So it's funny that you say that because I believe there's six pillars to leadership. It starts with okay. personal discipline. It ends with a high-performance team, and I talk about it in my book, Man Up. Uh, you know, decisiveness, uh, clear communication, having a vision, et cetera. But I believe in all six areas, I still have plenty of room to learn. So I'm, I show up as a white belt because guess what? I'm a great communicator until I get in front of Ed Milet and <laughs> I hate following Ed Milet on stage because the guy is sure. such a great communicator, right? Yeah. And then he hates following Tony Robbins on stage because Tony's <laughs> such a great communicator. So sure. when you think about it, we all have room to grow, even if yeah. it's one more degree and the way I look at it is that one more degree may not seem significant, but I just want to remind your audience that, you know, water boils at 211 degrees and you can take, make a hard boiled egg with it. But at 212 degrees, just one more degree, that water turns to steam and it can power a nuclear power plant and it, mm-hmm. can, it can light up a city. So when you think about yeah. degrees of change in life, so in all six pillars, I have room to grow and I will always live with that white belt mentality of there's still more room to grow. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's one of the things I'm 32 as we record this. And that's one of the things that I'm really just starting to learn and trying to implement, like trying to be more conscious of it. Right. I think it's easy. And one of the things I try to always articulate to the audience is that I can have all these conversations that I encourage. You can have the great conversation, talk about all these wonderful things, things that get you motivated and inspired. But until you go out, you know, we hang up, we go out, I go downstairs with my wife. What, the, what, what am I going to do then? You know, what am I going to do in the real world? And that's one of the things I always want to say that like, you have to go and do that. And again, that whole one degree thing that you just brought up, it's brilliant, but it also correlates to one of the things we talked about earlier is just small changes. Like those gentlemen that saw something in you that helped you just to, maybe a little bit. And, uh, it changed your life like for the rest of your life, you know? So that's, it's cool to hear like that question asked and to hear you now all these years later, answer that and see reaching all the way back to your childhood in the gym all the way now. And you're saying you still have that mentality. And I personally believe that that is the mentality that everyone should subscribe to. I'm not going to say everyone should, but I would encourage it. And I want to be able to always learn. And I said the other night to somebody like, uh, everybody always has something to teach me, whether it's, uh, what, maybe not what to do, you know? Uh, so yeah, no, I like that. Um, wow. Thank you. That was, that was really cool. I thought that would be a fun one. Cause, uh, I, I still always trying to learn as well. So you talked a little bit, or you talked a little bit about, uh, routines and habits and how they're so, so important in your life. And again, I want to, I, I like asking at the tail end of things, not maybe what got you to where you are now, but things that you're trying to get better at, because I think what happens is a lot of times people look at somebody in your position and they may like, he's got it all figured out. And you already said you have to learn still, but like, again, similar question, but what are some like routines in your life, like your daily routine that you are trying to improve on or that you want to implement that you haven't done yet? That's a really good question, man. So one of the routines that I really want to get better at is meditation. Mm. You know, I, I'm a big believer in, in meditation. And when I sometimes accidentally fall into a meditative trance, I'm like, holy cow, such great clarity. And by the way, someone who's never meditated, they're like, well, what do you mean? You've, you've fallen into that trance and you just don't realize it. When you're first waking up out of that sleep, and you're in that very creative state where you can hear things around you, but you're not fully awake. That is that meditative state. The theta waves okay. in your brain are taking over. You are creative. Okay. You are open to ideas. 
Um, as Maxwell Maltz talks about it in his book, Psycho-Cybernetics, that is a theater of the mind begins to get very active and start solving problems. Um, but when I actively try and sit there and meditate, I have this like hummingbird mental, uh, 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 ability to my, yeah. my idea, my mind starts firing off. Sure. So it takes me a long time to get to that state. And of course, look, I don't have all day long, right? So I go, all right. So my response to instead of meditating in the mornings is to send off three gratitude text messages to people I love okay. and okay. respect and admire. And I'm always starting the day off with gratitude. I started the day off with 30 ounces of water and then coffee and then protein shake and then my three gratitude text messages. And then I work off my what I call my GSD list, get shit done list okay. that I wrote the night before. Um, typically three to four things that I need to do to move the needle in my business. Then at by 9 a.m. I'm at the gym working out and then I come here to the headquarters. Um, but periodically I'll try and just sit there and meditate and go inward. But I gotta tell you, it's something really difficult for me, yeah. but I'm not going to give up because if I do, yeah. then going back to the first part of our conversation, I gave into mediocrity. I gave yeah. into the dark side. I'll just keep trying and I might not be the best at it, yeah. but I will get better. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that's like, that's what this question is, or these types of questions are always so fun to ask because of that. It's interesting to see like throughout different stages of lives or of, of someone's life, like what they choose to implement and what they choose to work on and, and how it's, you know, cause like maybe again, like somebody might see somebody like yourself and be like, Oh, if he wants to meditate, he's just going to do it. But it's like, it's not that easy. guys. <laughs> like you don't understand. Like it's not like some magical wizard that could just like implement awesomeness, like at command, like you have to like really work at it. And that's like mm -hmm. what I was talking, we were talking about uh, the podcast a little bit in the beginning, like, I want to have people on here that are doing great things and helping other people, but also to prove the best I can that it does take a lot of hard work. And it was just no, you know, poof, magic fairy dust that this individual arrived where they are right now. And I just want to beat that in everybody's head. Yeah, I, I go, can tell please. you this real quick. I know a lot of people and of all the lot of successful people I know, I don't know any single one of them that magically arrived anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So now I wanted to say real, you're, you're absolutely right, but uh, I'm implementing a new segment into the podcast and I'm reaching Instagram real quick. And one of the questions I, I'm letting uh, people ask questions, I think it's really fun, but somebody did want to ask who was your mentor when you got started? I don't, I don't know where it started, what point that would be, but yeah. 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 So my, my first real mentor in business, I'm guessing they're asking about business and entrepreneurship. Okay. My first real mentor was my personal training client, Jim Franco. Uh, that okay. I talked yeah. about. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. And then, and then after that, I've literally hired that I can think of 12 to 15 different business coaches from Dan Kennedy to Frank Kern to Joe Polish. You yeah. name it. Yeah. Craig Ballantyne, I think was one of the other gentlemen you talked about. I read his book yeah. and it, it impacted me really good. I, I, I finished it, handed it to my wife. It's <laughs> like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> so no, thank you guys uh, for, for that, uh, for the, uh, I think it's really fun to implement that. And it's funny you bring that up. I, I told you, I think uh, I, I met Jason Redman in person the other day. I've been following mm -hmm. him for a while. Uh, we linked up. I, I hung out with him and his family. And, and you came up and I said, I, I saw you guys have been uh, talking. And I think it was, I said, it's so important to be able to have these relationships wherever you are. Like you said, like uh, Ed Milet and then Tony and then like all these people. Like there's always somebody, but I think that's so special. So I kind of wanted to reverse the question and be like, I know you have been in a mentor position, it sounds like, with Jason, but what is one of the one things that Jason has taught you? Oh, my God. So, you know, being this Navy SEAL, right, he's got this relentless mindset that, again, remember I talked about one degrees of, of, yeah. of an increase, right? And 
ironically, I live by the three R's, and I told you the first two R's, which was to be resourceful and to be resilient. Yeah. That third R is to be relentless. Yeah. And I don't know a group of humans on this planet that are more relentless than these seals or <laughs> or rangers. The really the tip of the spear of our warriors. Sure. My goodness. And being able to hang around with him where he sits on that couch across from me right there uh, <laughs> when I was doing a podcast a few weeks ago and he was here. And then I think I'm a pretty productive guy to see how he's locked on. And yeah. I look at his face and he looks like he's at war, but he's <laughs> on his laptop, dude. I'm like, holy crap. Like, what am I doing? And he doesn't get up to go pee and he doesn't get up to drink water. He's just locked in. And I go, Jay, what are you doing right now? And he just looks up like I broke his concentration. And he's like, I'm working on this thing and it's going to get done for my book to launch, which was his book. Yeah, Overcome. yeah, it was amazing. So, yeah, I'm like, you know what, man, just when I think I can lock on and be relentless. But then as soon as I have to pee, I get up and go pee. This guy is locked on and he ain't moving until he gets it done. So I kind of picked up this mindset from a SEAL. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never been in the military, let alone to be in the SEAL program to understand sure. their their drive. But holy smokes, to be able to hang out with one, break bread yeah. with one, work yeah. out with one. Yeah. Like his arms all jacked up. I'm sure you saw that. We yeah. go to the gym together. He's trying to move the same amount of weight that I am. And I'm just like, well, I'm going to crank up the weight then because you're all jacked up. I'm not even jacked up. So yeah. <laughs> nuts. His level of relentlessness is folds above mine. So yeah. funny. Yeah. And I mean, for, for those that don't know about Jay Redmond, I mean, he got shot in the face. He got shot in the left arm. The As Bezos was saying, he, he has uh, very limited mobility in his left arm and he's out there doing like snatches. And it's just, it blows me away. So it's really cool to hear that. And, uh, some of the people on the podcast know, but that's, I worked, uh, I was a comms guy, like a, a direct support guy, guy with an antenna on his back. And I was working with uh, some Navy SEALs for a little, for like four years. And I always describe it as some of the most pivotal years, if not the most pivotal years in my life to be able to work at that level. Obviously I was direct support completely different, but to know that they got through all the training that they did to get where they were. And then to trust me to work with them, it was just one of the most crucial periods of growth in my entire life. So. Imagine. I know, I know what you mean. Like, I, I, I totally understand that. So I, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my time and I've had a good time speaking with you tonight. I, I really appreciate it. I do want to say before we get out of here tonight, could you please share with me in the audience where everybody can get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. The best place to find me is on Instagram at Bedros Koulian or just uh, go to uh, manup.com and you'll learn all about me and my book there. Perfect. You all will be able to see that in the show notes on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you subscribe. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. This has been quite enjoyable. I've thoroughly enjoyed my time. Have a great rest of your night. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right. See ya.